Welcome to the Jada Edwards podcast. For the next three episodes, we're going to do a short series on what it means to really love biblically, authentically, and intelligently. I call it the Love Well Project. Here's part one. So as we're thinking about what it really means to love well, um, there's a couple of components, maybe three components, actually, that I really uh, want to dive into. And the point of this is not to do a deep biblical word study on Hesed love, which we see in the Old Testament or agape or phileo or all the things that we know about love in Scripture. It really is more of a practical approach, what it means in our everyday lives. And so when you think about um, this really important response that Jesus gives in Matthew 22, when the Pharisees are asking him, you know, what's the greatest commandment uh, in the in the law? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Mark adds with all your strength. And he says, This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That is such a weighty um, response from Jesus. And I think we hear it all the time, especially if you're a Christian and you hear the Bible taught or you read the Bible, you grew up in church or However long you have been a Christian, that's just something. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so those are sometimes really um, common answers that we give to deeper problems of love. And more importantly, we're not really sure what that means. How do I apply that? What does that look like in my everyday life? And so when I think about loving God, loving your neighbor, It just blows me away uh, about how much love really is the deciding factor um, about the joy in our lives, the abundance in our lives, the health of our relationships, all of these things. Because if Jesus says everything hangs on some form of love, either love for God or love for your neighbor, then that means Every issue I'm dealing with is a love issue that at some point I'm wrestling with sin or I am discontent or dissatisfied or I'm in unhealthy patterns of behavior, unhealthy patterns of uh, thinking. I am making poor choices. I'm making selfish choices. I am struggling financially, even emotionally, physically, spiritually, because I'm either not loving God with everything I am, which means I'm prioritizing his truth his word, his standards, his his values, and I'm or I'm not loving my neighbor, which means I'm putting myself over others, selfishness. <laughs> Those things are the root of everything that's going wrong in the world and in our lives. A lack of love and not a lack of hugs and tears and Kleenex and sentimental moments, not a lack of romance or what we say is loyalty, however we define love, a lack of what God has called us to do uh, as far as loving him with all of who we are and loving our neighbor the way we love ourselves. So let me just break that apart real quickly. Um from a practical standpoint, when you think about what it means to love God with your heart and your soul, your mind, your strength, that's everything. That's that's your inner being. It's your faculties. It's your emotions. It's your core. It's your intellect. And when I when you think about what it means to love well, you, you have to be informed. It, it, it starts with um, what I call smart love. Love is smart. 
or love is curious. There's there's a pursuit of knowledge. And here's here's where we see that. If you look in Psalm 139 at the end of this um, discourse that David has with God, um, he's basically saying, God, you have searched me. You've known me. You know everything about me. I can't escape your presence. You see me. You know my thoughts. You know the words before they're formed on my lips. Like, where can I go and, and not be in your presence? Basically, it's one of my uh, favorite Psalms. It's so intimate. But it's fascinating because he ends that Psalm. He ends Psalm 139 with search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So he starts off the Psalm with, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Like, you know, everything about me, you have searched me and you do know me. Then he ends it with saying, oh, Lord, (laughs) search me and know me. So there's this past tense reality that's happened. God has already uh, known David fully because he's creator. Right. But then there is this present tense invitation where he's like, but God, search me, know me. And so the question has to be begged. Why is David then asking God to search him when he has already established that God has searched him? (laughs) So this is not so. God can know more about David. This is so David can know more about David. And the only one that can tell David about David is God, the creator who has already searched him, who already fully knows him. So you have this this invitation at the end of Psalm 139 where David says, oh, my gosh, the reality of how much. God knows him, how well, how deeply, how intimately, how perfectly God knows him, hits him. And he says, I need you to show me what you know about me. And God and his grace will show it to us in parts and pieces that we can handle. But the truth is, there is this invitation, this curiosity about self. That is actually not self-centered. It's God-centered. David is not selfishly saying, I want to be great and amazing. So show me how great and amazing I am. He's saying, man, God, for for me to love you, right? I want you to see if there's anything hurtful in me. See if there's anything not like you, God. In order for me to be more like you, you have to show me who I really am. Because I can't begin to work in the deficit of where I missed the mark if I don't know who I really am. So all this sets the stage for something. Thing I believe very strongly that that biblical love to love well is is a knowledge and a curiosity that love is smart. OK, it's not just patient and kind and and sweet and speaking truth, all that. But love is smart. Love is curious. Love says, number one, I want to know God. I want to pursue him. I want to to gain knowledge about who he is and who he's revealed himself to be. Um, and then I want to know myself. So then I can love my neighbor. <laughs> there's there's this whole ripple effect of being knowledgeable and learning. Love is learning. So smart love or to love smartly, however you want to phrase it. This first phase that I want to talk about in the Love Well Project means that I'm curious and I, I want to gain knowledge. I want to gain knowledge about God and I want to gain knowledge about self, which is going to give me knowledge about neighbor. So if I want to know God and love him well, what does that mean? I have to be in truth. I have to be in his scripture. I have to know his word, know his precepts, know his principles, know uh, what God's plan is for all of creation. And then I can start to learn what God's plan is for my life if you've not already discovered that. So there is a lot of value to this curiosity. Um, It is a dangerous thing to know a great scripture or to have a lifetime verse or something 
thing that then never changes. You never stay curious about the scripture. You you read a scripture, you know a story, and you're like, I'm good. But there's more to be learned. There's more to be gleaned, even from reading the same verse or knowing the same story, um, let alone from reading all of scripture, a holistic approach to scripture so that I don't just cherry pick what I like or what makes sense, that I don't just flip to the concordance and find a scripture on joy when I'm feeling sad, that I look at the broader picture of what joy means in God's economy, what abundance means in God's economy. That's because I stay curious. I'm never satiated. I'm never satisfied with what I know about God. I want to know more because to know more is to love him more. That is what smart love is. That's what a curious love is. Love is knowledge. Know me. God says, know me. I'm inviting you. Come know me. And then as I'm in pursuit of that, then I invite God to help me know myself. God search me, know me, show me. I need to see what in me is not like you. Now, here's the deal. I am like an assessment junkie. I love all the tests, y'all. Enneagram, Strengths Finders, Myers-Briggs, DISC, Work Zones, Passions, all the things. I love everything that you can uh, learn about somebody. Now, they don't become my Bible. I know there's always exceptions and there's nuance to that. But the reason why I love those things, not just for myself, but when I do discipleship or mentoring or talk to people, I love those things that give us some insight as to how we're wired or what motivates us or what brand of crazy we're walking around with. Because everybody got some crazy. It's just a different brand. And so I, I like seeing those things because they are tools, even though they don't supersede the word of God, they are tools that help me to know me. And so I encourage people to use those because that is one of the ways that we can really do good work on searching and knowing ourselves and inviting God, Lord, okay, here's, here's my personality. Here's my Enneagram. Here are my strengths. Now, okay, God, show me what in this is great. Show me how you want to use this for your glory. Show me what in this is not so great. There's going to always be a challenge for me so I can be aware of that. So my curiosity, this smart kind of love is, is not only a pursuit of knowing God and knowing what God values and knowing what God says is true. It is also inviting the true and perfect God to show me me. My curiosity about myself cannot start with myself. My curiosity, my knowledge and growth of my own self-awareness starts with a perfect God who already knows me perfectly. So I'm only learning what God already knows. I'm not trying to create my own idea and revelation about myself. I am trying to discover what God has already said to be true about me. And in that discovery, in this curious um, phase, in in this pursuit of knowledge, then I can start to embrace this smart love. You know, love is smart. Love is love is curious. Love seeks to know. Right. Know God. And then I'm inviting God to help me know myself. Now, all this, this smart and intellectual aspect of love, this intelligence, this this gaining of knowledge and wisdom and understanding is going to help you love God more. You cannot know God fully and not love him more. Um, and even as you learn about yourself, it is not for shame or guilt. Um, 
or condemnation because we're free from that. According to Romans chapter eight, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. It's for awareness. It's for discovery. It's for appreciation. God, thank you for making me a talkative, effervescent person that can sell anything to anybody. Thank you for the gift of persuasion. God, thank you for uh, giving me a mind that loves to think in silence and likes to solve complex problems. Thank you for helping me to Thank you for making me a person that that feels deeply for others, that that knows how to be empathetic and sympathetic and and is um, great at being compassionate. Thank you, God, for wiring me in a way where I get things done. All of those things. Right. I can appreciate all of those things. But then on the flip side, when it comes to loving my neighbor, loving smart, loving smartly when it comes to my neighbor, I take these things that I am constantly learning about God because love is a constant pursuit of knowledge of God. Then I'm taking these things that I'm learning about myself because I have to constantly learn more about myself and they inform me on how to love my neighbor. Boom. Y'all, they tell you how to love people because when I know God and I know what God loves and then I know myself, I know what I what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at. It equips me to love my neighbor. Oh, my gosh. So that means the person that I get along with great and we have everything in common and we love all the same restaurants. And oh, my gosh, this is my best friend for life. Or this may be the person I want to marry or I really like this coworker. whatever it is. When things are going well, I can say. Hey, I can appreciate the fact that God in his goodness has given me uh, a friendship, with all these common threads about what we like, what we enjoy. We connect on all these different levels, but that doesn't mean there won't ever be conflict. And God says, I have to learn how to be forgiving. God says, I have to seek reconciliation. So even in relationships that seem easy, I love well and I love smart, smartly, not when I just am great when times are great, but that I learn how to pursue conflict, that even relationships that seem natural, I got to work and figure out how to resolve conflict because we may be alike, but we're not identical. And then it helps me to love my neighbor when I'm with people who I don't naturally connect with people who don't think like me, who don't have my cultural perspective, who don't share my um, perspective on the world. I mean, we can have a bond in Christ and still be very, very different. We're wired different. Our values, what's important to us and how we get things done, how we navigate life is very different. But I can love my neighbor well. I'm not so easily offended, annoyed, irritated. I don't feel like I need to put distance between me and anybody who's not like me because as I pursue God and and I realize that knowing God means understanding his love and care for people. Um, And then I learn myself and I realize that Jada, you're kind of easily annoyed by these kind of people or this kind of thing rubs you the wrong way. Beware, beware. God is going to send someone who thinks differently from you, who would accomplish that task in a very different way. And when you're moving and trying to get things done, Jada, and you're going 100 miles an hour and you don't have time to say hello and good morning, and you just shooting out text messages like, hey, is your life together? Did you get these 12 things done? And that person responds back with hello. Good morning. How's your day? And you're like, I'll tell you after you get these things done. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I can love well without being bothered and saying, oh, my gosh, why can't you just do what I asked? I can slow down for a second, you know, and say, OK, I can take 10 seconds, 30 seconds to connect with this person in a way that's meaningful to, to them, because then I want them to connect with me in a way that's meaningful. OK, so uh, it's it's a way that we exchange, you know, where, where we're strong and where we're where we struggle. So your strengths and your struggles is that constant exchange that that brings about healthy relationships. So loving well is it means that we're loving smartly or that love is smart. And I think this really comes up, y'all, because in our society today, I, I think that we are so concerned about loving ourselves. This pendulum has swung the other way where we're a bit consumed with self-love that we've missed the fact that that has to be driven by our love for God and that should be evident in our love for others. So we've just taken the middle piece. Let me love myself, but it has to be driven by my love for God and God's love for me. Like that's why I love myself because God loved me first. So I need to know him and pursue knowledge of him. Self-love has to be driven by God's love for me, my love for God, but it needs to be evident like it needs to show fruit in the way I love others. So self-love is not a beginning and end unto itself. Like it's driven from something. There's a source, which is God. And then there's evidence, which is how I treat people. So if I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, right, and this love is supposed to be uh, curious and knowledgeable, that means before I respond to people or before I pass a judgment or make a decision on people, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I wonder what makes a person respond that way. What makes a person think that way? I wonder if this person is actually hurt and it's coming out as anger. And some of y'all might be like, shh. Don't nobody have time to do all the unpacking. I just need you to be an adult or I just need you to get on board with what I'm saying or uh, no new friends. I'll just move on to somebody that don't require all this work because we're in a society where we're like, oh, low maintenance to no maintenance. That's the best relationships. I'm like, you can be by yourself if you want a low maintenance or no maintenance relationship. That's a relationship with you and a bowl of ice cream. That's no maintenance. Okay, people require maintenance. Newsflash. You require maintenance. <laughs> People require those relationships require maintenance. They require check-ins and apologies and grace and forgiveness. And so when when I'm not pursuing this the smart intellectual, I use the word smart just because it's a common word, but it's really this this intelligent type of love. It's a love that is curious and pursues knowledge, constantly pursuing knowledge of God and who He's revealed Himself to be in Scripture, um, and then asking God to show me myself, constantly learning about myself. You never get too old. You you never know yourself completely. Uh, you know yourself better, <laughs> but never perfectly. And then letting that be evident in how I love others, because I can be more forgiving, more gracious, more patient when I'm not trying to conjure up and create some false version of myself. But when it comes from a real place of knowledge and understanding and curiosity, you know, it is almost impossible. I I, want to say impossible, but humans find a way. We find a way to just be crazy. It's almost impossible to mistreat someone or to respond with unkindness or to not be compassionate or sympathetic when you know someone's story. That's what smart love is. That's what intelligent, curious love is. 
Sometimes it's a stranger and you won't know their story. But man, if you just use your divine imagination and say, God, what if this woman who cut me off in traffic or my coworker who's being rude today, what if they're going through a tough time? What if their kid is sick or what if they're dealing with loneliness or what if they're struggling financially? All it takes is a couple of what ifs to say there's a whole story to this person. Their behavior or even the way they may hurt me or offend me is not the totality of who they are. So, yes, I want to respond with wisdom, maybe set healthy boundaries, whatever the case may be. But gosh, can it be driven by love, not self-protection, not pride, not self-centeredness? I want this love to be intelligent and curious. I want to seek how people are thinking and how I can best understand them. And that's just strangers, people I encounter every day. I have to work on that. I have to work on saying these are stories. The people around me are stories. And I cannot be used divinely by God if I'm not curious, if my love is not intelligent and seeking knowledge about people. Now, if it's someone I've known for a long time, family member, friend, who knows, spouse, Hello, marriage counseling. If it's someone I've known for a long time, even more reason to be curious. God, what is it that I may be taking for granted? What is it it that I might not be seeing clearly because I've known this person so long? I think I know everything. Maybe I've formed some little agreements in my mind. I think I know how they're going to answer. I already know what they're going to say about every situation. And let me just keep them at arm's length or let me manage my emotional availability with this person. Now I'm not talking about toxic relationships. So don't go to the extreme. Don't go to abuse. Don't go to the exception. Let's stick with the norms. Um, let's stick with the, the main experiences that we have. And it's usually um, tainted because we're not curious about people anymore. Um, that's how relationships go bad real quick. Friendships, I don't care if it's mother and child, father and child, siblings, a marriage. When you're not curious about a person anymore, like you're not seeking knowledge about them because you're just like, I know them. I know how they're going to think. They always do this. They always say this. Then you're going to respond to them in a certain way. And it's not going to be loving. It's going to be self-protective. It's going to be arrogant. And those same things are the things that happen when we're sometimes meeting people for the first time. Social media has told it on us, especially those who got Jesus lover and child of the king in their profile saying foolishness because we're not choosing to be intelligent with our love. We're not curious. We don't want to seek knowledge. We're just like, uh, all these kind of people have the same complaint. These people always say this. This group of people always thinks this. Uh, I don't have time. I have a pat response for everybody that brings up this topic because we're not we're not curious anymore. And so as we think about what it means to love well, I'll just wrap up this this first portion about what it means to to love smartly, to declare that love is smart. Love is intelligent, which means that love is in constant pursuit of knowing God It's the knowledge of God. I'm curious. I want to know all that God has revealed about himself to me. And I'll never know it all. So I'm in constant pursuit of that. And simultaneously, it's a constant invitation for God to search me and show me myself based on who he knows me to be. Not my own discovery, not my own agenda. Search me, God. Show me what's not like you. Show me who I am, what's great. Show me my strengths. Show me my struggles. And then I can be curious about my neighbor and love them well. I can love them with knowledge and intelligence. Love God smartly. Love yourself smartly. Love your neighbor smartly. Love is smart. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Love Well series. I hope you're encouraged and challenged. Make sure you leave a comment, leave a review, share and subscribe to the podcast.